0: What's up, Sober Family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze.
1: But I would say that without question, meetings will work. It doesn't mean you have to do them. My brother stopped drinking, never went to meetings, but uh, meetings will work. If you do go, yeah. it's not going to hurt you. It will, it will help you.
0: Today, my guest is my friend, Nick Roberts, a solid man of sobriety who describes himself as a high-functioning alcoholic, and he wants to give us a dose of reality today uh, about how difficult sobriety can be, that uh, it's not all glitter and rainbows. And the theme of season four is also owning our own stories. I'll be asking Nick to share about his experience in that area and how focusing on himself first has maybe helped him in his journey so far. I'm your host, Dana Crawl. I'm a former Army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio is always our Al K. Hallfree, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog, napping as always. And before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety and you're looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. So now with all that said, let's get rolling with Nick. I'm so glad to have you here, brother, Uh, as a friend and an inspiration to me. It's great to have you on the show and welcome.
1: Thanks, Dana. Uh, I don't know if I'm an inspiration, but I, I do love the podcast and uh, happy to be here.
0: Well, it's great to have uh, a fan of the podcast to come be a guest as well. And in my mind, everybody who joins this podcast is a celebrity because like whether they're <laughs> just a humble guy from Vermont like you or they're a big name author or or podcast, fellow podcast host that I've had on to me, everybody in the sober family's uh, kind of like on equal status just because of the uh, the Herculean effort it takes to to stop drinking and that, I think that's what, you know, you wanted to focus on talking about today. And I'd love to hear, you know, about your story and especially just about how difficult it's been, maybe not just making the decision to stop drinking, but also ever since then, how hard it's been for you in in the days, weeks and months since then.
1: Yeah, one of the interesting things, and I think one of the best things about sobriety is, uh, and it's not just something that um, comes to us because we used to drink a lot, It's something that comes to us because part of sobriety is a great deal of introspection uh, and looking inward Uh, in that I think we do tend to look inward at ourselves in ways that other people don't, whether they struggle with alcohol or not, because the only way really to get sober and stay sober is to constantly be kind of going through that internal rolodex of, of who you are and your strengths and weaknesses and so forth. But one of the things I've realized in sobriety, uh, and we, we can talk, you can ask me any question. We can talk about this more is just how much, uh, I have struggled throughout my life with mental health. Uh, and so in sobriety now, I've realized, and you never really know it in the moment. It's only hindsight that, that these types of things become clear that a major reason why I did used to drink, um, was to treat my depression. Uh, I never really had the anxiety uh, that many you know you a lot of times they go hand in hand, anxiety and depression for me, it, it really didn't. but depression, uh, since a very young age, I mean I uh, and I treated it medically as well and with therapy and and with medications. um and so I did not use alcohol as a way to skirt around the issue. I used alcohol because it did do something to my, and we know by. Biochemically speaking, it increases dopamine um, at least while it's in your system and, until it wears off and feelings of euphoria and so forth. You know, after that first drink, my worries would fade away. You know, and it's interesting too how alcoholism is, and I I have no qualms with using the word alcoholic or alcoholism. We We tend to talk about alcohol use disorder and so forth, and people debate it as far as I'm concerned. If you ever question your alcohol use, you're an alcoholic. You can make up that, you know, if you think that an alcoholic is a person drinking out of a paper bag, you know, under a bridge, that's your interpretation. But an alcoholic is someone who questions and struggles with drinking. Um, you know, there's and many types. But.
0: When would you say you first started to to feel like you were struggling with it? Like, when would you say you first realized then that you were an, alco- an alcoholic by your definition?
1: Yeah. So looking back now, looking back, it was always there. So back in high school, and and you know, I wasn't a big drinker or partier in high school. But when I would drink, it would be to excess every single time. And uh, here's, you know, again, the, the dangerous thing about alcohol is that your body does get used to it. So I remember the first few years in high school, I was on antidepressants to, to treat the depression. And you know, you're not really supposed to mix. And I remember that the first few years, because I was not drinking regularly at all. But again, when I would drink, it would be hard. Uh, I would get the terrible symptoms that come from mixing, which is, you know, everyone gets the spins. But a lot of times when you're on a, an antidepressant and you drink too much, those spins are magnified, you know, by a thousand. And I, re- I mean, it would feel like the, the world was moving around me. You know, really, it was a terrible feeling. As you start, of course, your body acclimates to the alcohol over the years. And after a while, it it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't interact as much with the drugs. But looking back, the symptoms were always there. Um, I noticed it was a problem in the final few years of my PhD program. You know, I did two years of grad school at Georgetown in D.C. when I was in my mid-20s, and there was lots of drinking. DC is a big drinking town. A lot everyone there is in their mid-20s. Yeah. You know, so it was just part of the atmosphere. Um, and I never really questioned it. Although I do remember I once had a conversation with a friend. Two, two conversations come to mind. I remember one, one friend, I messaged and I said, you know, I I I have always worked my ass off. You know, I love working. I, I work seven days a week. You know, I'm still single. That's probably why. Um, but I remember saying to my friend, you know, do you think it's really, do you think it's bad that after working like 12 hours, I really love the feeling of drinking a glass of scotch, which indicates, you know, even if it was somewhat subconsciously, I was thinking, Hey, is this, is this a bad thing? Uh, and I remember her response. She said, no, it just means you, you know, you work hard and then want to relax. And then uh, I remember another conversation with a friend. I said to her, hey, do you think it's bad to have a few drinks every day? And she said, yes, you should not be drinking every day. Now, I would rationalize it in that, well, I get up every morning and I'm not hungover and I work hard. I go to the gym, everything. But what we know about the use of alcohol, the abuse of alcohol, is that it compounds over time. It will get worse over time, you know. So at 25, sure, I was able to wake up and get to work the next day. At 30, 31, I wasn't, you know, it, it starts to hurt the next morning. So the third year of my PhD program, I had to go travel the whole world for my dissertation research. And again, you know, a younger, young, single man traveling the world. There's a lot of booze. I had a lot of fun. It was, you know, I worked hard, but it was you know, a lot of partying. And I remember when I came back from that, I never turned that party mode, travel the world, off. And that's when it started. I realized, holy cow, I'm waking up. You know, I like to do the most of the the bulk of my work early in the morning before other people wake up. And I I remember thinking, I can't do that. It's getting in the way. Now, that doesn't mean I stopped. What I started doing was taking some hardcore bought from the Internet uh, stimulants. So that, boom, I wake up in the morning, the hangover is zapped, I have tons of energy, take coffee, you know, I can go to the gym uh, and drink then again at night. Um, so, you know, alcoholics, people who struggle and question without, they will look for every excuse under the sun to keep drinking and will also look for every way in, under the sun to keep drinking. You know, so for me it was, yeah, I'm going to just take hardcore stimulants to get rid of my hangover. So I can keep drinking.
0: Yeah. And so it's, it, there's always the justification, always the logistical figuring out how to make it. So it's not just the philosophical, like I, it's okay for me to keep doing this, but it's almost like we, we find ways to make ourselves okay so that we can then again, justify it, and help justify philosophically, right?
1: Yeah. You know, it is an addictive substance. Anyone who puts alcohol, ethanol in their body uh, if they keep doing it, we will get addicted. The spectrum of addiction varies, of course. It's different for every person, but there will be a degree of addiction.
0: And so that makes it hard to stop, right? Various degrees of hard and various types of hard across that spectrum. But tell me, you know, before we press record, you had said, life does not necessarily get easier or better when you stop. And so I'm most curious to hear about that Part of your journey and and uh, how how did you come to the decision to stop and then how has it been since then?
1: Okay, so I had been questioning my drinking. I knew it was a problem. Um, you know, twenty nineteen. You know, I'm I had two more years left of my PhD program. I I was aware that it was a problem because I was you know very hungover throughout the days, not feeling well. And I tried to stop, I made all sorts of different metrics and rules, you know, like, okay, I'm only going to socially drink, that never worked. And then I would say, okay, I'm just going to drop the hard liquor, I'll only drink beer thinking, well, like, there's no way I can ever drink as much beer, you can't fit it in your stomach as I can, you know, whiskey, uh, that never worked. Or I'll only drink when I date, you know, when I go on a date, that never worked. The moment I knew it was that I had to do something, I remember it vividly, was my first semester in my current job as an assistant professor of history. I was teaching, we were about to have a discussion on a book that the students had been reading throughout the semester, one of my favorite books. It's a history of the American invasion and occupation of Iraq, pulled from the Iraqi perspective. And uh, I was so hungover that day, I didn't think I would I would be able to get out of my chair to even do anything yeah you know that morning i remember usually i would take one of those heavy duty stimulant pills to to zap myself out of it i took two then i took another one right before class i did end up getting through it but i got home that night and i said this this has to stop because i had been extremely successful uh you know and no one would have ever known what was going on but i also had enough sense to know that i'm not going to beat this no one beats biology. It will kill you.
0: So it was that day that where it, it came to a stop for you
1: ever since that, then? That day, um, it was the first week. It was December 6th, 2021. Uh, and I had seen Reframe, actually, so a girl that I had dated back at getting my PhD, who later came out as an alcoholic. And she used to post on her Instagram the Reframe stuff. And, you know, she had been like a year sober. And so that day I said, wow, what was the name of that app, you know, that I had seen? And I downloaded it. I started on Cutback uh, because I I remember thinking, man, there's no way. So home for the holidays, with family, a big trigger, you know, for a lot of people. I remember thinking, there's no way it's December 6th. I'm going to have the muscular memory and, you know, the cognitive fortitude and stuff to go through Christmas after a few weeks totally sober. So I started on Cutback and for a few weeks it worked, you know, and then Christmas I went off the rails, I drank a ton. But then came back December 26th, I switched to alcohol-free. And uh, yeah, it was great. I've been on Reframe ever since, except for a few months into that last year. So that would have been 2022. I And this is where I say, you know, the dose of reality. I, I fell into that trap of... Oh, a slip is no big deal. Fall forward. You know, and I had a slip and then I said, no big deal, you know, fall forward. Well, I started thinking, Hey, if it's not such a big deal, then I'll have another slip. Yeah. Fall forward. You know, well, you fall forward right into the bottle. And so it turned into a relapse. So it's not that you beat yourself up for slipping. It's that you assess how and why did this happen? And then how do I make sure it never happens again?
0: How have you in the month since then remained alcohol free and and what was the, that assessment like and how have you been coming through? Because, you know, you've described to me again before we before we started talking on the show here that, you know, every day has been hard and yeah. that it's still a struggle for you and that uh, it's. Yeah,
1: I think there can be an assumption out there that by default, when you stop drinking, your life will magically improve. Now, certain things will improve without question. Your blood pressure will improve. Uh, it might, st- If you have elevated blood pressure, it might stay high for other reasons, but not drinking, not having alcohol is 100%, no exceptions, a good thing for your body. Yeah. You know, uh, it is your liver will improve. You know, you will save money. Yeah. So there, there are aspects of life that will, if you stop drinking, will improve. But it doesn't necessarily mean, like in my case, that my depression is going to disappear. Because, in fact, my depression has gotten worse. Why? Because now I don't have that drug, the the alcohol, to mask all of the things that are making me unhappy. Now, I'm I'm on medication. That keeps me at at a certain level, right, from sinking too low. But that's all the medication does. You know, an SSRI or something like that doesn't get rid of depression. It keeps you from sinking too low. So you still have to fix everything that's wrong in your life. Whereas when you're drinking, uh, it turns off your brain. You're not thinking about everything that that is making you unhappy, right? So yeah, what what not drinking does is open your eyes to a radical sense of clarity to look at the landscape of your life and, and assess what it is that's out there. I mean, it, it opens your eyes to just how much work we all have to do to be the best versions of ourselves. I never want to go back to drinking, but every moment of every day I want to drink, you know, because let's face it, alcohol is cunning, baffling and powerful because it does do something to our brain, you know, and and I crave that. I still crave that every day, you know, Uh, like right now in the back of my brain, I'm thinking about, holy shit, I have so much student loan debt, you know, and and, um, I need new brakes for my truck. That's a thousand dollars, you know, that I don't have. Right. I'm thinking about uh all of these things. When you're drinking, you're not necess- it turns that off. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's a hard reality. Um, alcohol does do something for our brains, which is why it's so hard to stop. Yeah. Uh and so this is, you know, look, it's a it's a constant, you have to be vigilant.
0: But you but you're also a high functioning guy, right? And so one of the other things that you mentioned in our in our conversation before the show was you know you said that the high functioning ones need the need the help the most that it's almost the hardest for the people who have the high that high degree of performance yeah. tell me about that
1: well so i'll i'll share something that i've actually i've never shared with anyone uh, zero zero persons no one knows this so i was in a top ranked phd program top university best scholars in the world um were my my mentors my teachers you know in a in a phd program at the end in history at least you have to defend your dissertation yeah so what they do is uh they call you into the room and and they you know academia is uh brutal it's not a kind place generally and they will roast you they will try to to find every possible flaw in your work and ask you the hardest possible questions and so on and so forth um I was drunk for my dissertation defense. Wow. It was, I think, at four o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, those of us who were heavy, heavy, heavy drinkers, and, and I'm not talking about the like, you know, oh, I would have a bottle of wine a day. A bottle of wine a day is too much, uh, but it's it's not going to kill you like a bottle of hard liquor a day.
0: though. Right.
1: You know, um, those of us who, who drink that much, it gets so bad biochemically physiologically speaking in your body that just to be normal just to get your brain working correctly you have to have alcohol in your system yeah so i remember thinking you know in the hours leading up to that i was holy shit my hands are shaking i'm sweating i had to have some alcohol in my system to be at my peak yeah and that's the really dangerous part of alcohol is it does become necessary for your body to function once you get to a certain level, which is why when you don't do it, you have physical withdrawals. Yeah. So yeah, I had to drink before my dissertation defense. None of them would have ever known. And that's what is the most dangerous is when you are sailing through life, I was the only one to finish my dissertation in the allotted time. It won three awards. I was the only one to get a tenure track job at the height of covid the pandemic, when everything was melting down. And yet I was drinking a bottle of alcohol, hard liquor a day plus, and taking stimulants. So no one, when you're doing all of that, no one is going to stop and say, hey, man, I'm really worried about you. Hey, man, you need to go get your liver checked. No one will will stop and do that. Because you hear part part of getting sober and remaining sober is rationalizing. For a lot of people, you have to, your mind that evil you know the Nikita used the itty bitty shitty committee is going to be saying hey you can go back to drinking come on you can moderate now right it's been a year you can moderate no way no way you know for a lot of us there's there's no way but um and i did have a rock bottom and i can i can share about the rock bottom again nothing i've ever shared with anyone before but i'd be happy to in some ways, it was a it was a private rock bottom, and and again, it's more evidence for what I mean when I say the high functioning folks are really good at masking stuff and rationalizing stuff. But there are days when I wish I had crashed my car, uh, because it would be just then so easy to go to someone and say, "That's right, I crashed. My, I'm a huge alcohol. I need help." Yeah, does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. Yeah, to me, it does. A hundred percent. It's it's almost like there's this secret sick hope that that yeah that something will call you that will call you out so that you don't have to call yourself out. I yeah I, is that right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And you know, um, coming back from the relapse and stuff, those first few months on Reframe, I didn't really build a community. I didn't really make friends on Reframe, talk with people by text or by Instagram, and so it was easy then for me to say you know, Hey, I'm going to disappear for a month and drink my face off now. You know, I have dear, I've made dear, dear friends. Yeah. And uh, you know, if I disappeared for a week, like a few weeks ago I was in DC for the week and I wasn't able to make any meetings and I had tons of people saying, Hey, is everything okay? You know, uh, yeah. that keeps you in check.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those communities that we um, experienced on Instagram are just so fantastic. And yeah, I have a closer, like uh, feel closer to, uh, most of y'all than I do to a lot of my uh, blood relatives. It's yeah. it's just a crazy thing. I, I don't know how to describe it.
1: It's something I've said to a lot of people before is, and it's interesting, you look, whenever you go to a meeting, I mean, one thing about meetings is, so everyone's journey is different and there's there's all sorts of different things that work for people. But I would say that uh, without question, meetings will work. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to do them. My brother stopped drinking, never went to meetings, but uh, meetings will work if you do go. Yeah, it's not gonna hurt you. It will. It will help you. I guess trigger warning. You know, I, I maybe I should have started with this. I'm <laughs> gonna talk about drinking. Some people don't like to hear it. For me, like when I hear speaker shares and stuff, I want to hear the details because it's like, man, I used to do that exact same thing. Yeah. So like, I I never sipped alcohol. Like the idea of making a cocktail or having a beer after a long, never. Uh, I would just pound it. Yeah. Because I wanted immediate, it was medication. I mm-hmm. wanted to change immediately the chemistry of my brain in that moment.
0: And it uh, does it too, right? When you uh, pound it, it does immediately. That's, that's so ah. That's, damn it. It works so well. It's so easy.
1: Yeah. You know, People always ask, well, how do you do it? How do you stay sober? Well, part of it is acknowledging how hard it is. Yeah. You know, yes. Pouring four shots of whiskey in a glass and pounding it gets rid of my stress and my worries. I just, let's acknowledge how hard the fight is. It's like, you know, hey, Sun Tzu, you know your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy is that, hey, man, that is going to immediately change your brain chemistry. And let's acknowledge it. Um, You know, you can't fight something you can't you can't change something if you don't really fundamentally acknowledge it and understand it and and for me a big part of this was you know why did I always want to do that well it worked and you know in that moment it was also killing me you know and again going back to the high functioning thing like no one is going to beat biology you know it will catch up to you sooner or later in one in some shape or form you know There was only a matter of time before I sent an email to a student that was garbled and the student checked in. you know, Hey, is, is professor Roberts okay? You know,
0: it's only a matter of time
1: before something like that happens. Yeah. Uh, You know?
0: Yeah. And, and and I was at the point where, you know, talk about you, this is where I want to ask you about owning your own story, because what you've done here on this show, on this episode is like so powerful to say, Hey, I've never told anybody about this before. And that's a pretty significant thing that that you shared here, you know, for me, it's like the, the professional moment was like my last day of being the director of the soup kitchen for my church. You know, I show up to work drunk. Um, well, I guess I was, I guess I wasn't drunk. I was, I was buzzed, but I drove into work buzzed. Um, and have after having been drunk, you know, just a few hours prior and, you know, like end up being escorted by, <laughs> because, because I had these, cr- this crazy plan to leave that day. And my uh, veteran friend who was our police, uh, our special duty police officer that day intervened and, and said, Hey, are you okay? Right. And, and I could, you know, cause he knew something was off. And then I kind of spilled the beans. I had this crazy plan. I had $2,000 in my pocket and my passport. And like, I was going off the grid that day. I was going to get on a plane and try to disappear. I had a burner phone and everything. I mean, it was crazy. And it was only because I, there were so many times before that, that like i i got away with stuff where i didn't you know i i thankfully had not gone to work having been intoxicated very many times but it, but once is too many right and so my point in sharing all this personal aside is just to say like i'm trying to own my own story and not be ashamed of it and so how have you done that in your in this process what was it that got you to the place where you could say where you could say something like that so publicly and so unabashedly, and, and as a way to to inspire and encourage
1: others who might be in a similar place. All right, that's a that's a great question. So e- notice how just now, um, and this is a really I think I think important thing for people to take away. So I hope everyone listens carefully. Notice how even just sharing that with me, you said, "Well, I drove into work drunk," and then you started to feel like you had to explain. Explain, well, I you know I wasn't dr- I was just buzzed, but right. A recovery community, a recovery circle. So whether it's an AA meeting or a reframe meeting, any of us who are here, we are the only people in your life you don't have to explain anything to.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: I get it without you having to explain. Yes, you drove to work drunk. You don't have to explain that. You don't have to say you're sorry. Hey, man, I used to do it all the time. We did it. Right. We don't have to explain anything um and you don't have to feel shame over it um you don't have to try to explain away the shame you just have to say it okay you know we all you don't have to explain anything to us you in general not you dana you know because you see in meetings people will try to well hey i used to you know uh but i was a good mom you know or i was a good dad i was always there. hey man you don't have to explain i get it yeah we're all alcoholics or or we you know we all have alcohol abuse disorder or whatever you want to call it. I get it. You don't have to explain anything.
0: Yeah. Yep, no matter what name you put on it it it's it's, it's I, again what I call sober family and and I use the word sober in a very inclusive way to include anyone who even considers sobriety or even someone who is sober curious and thinking about their relationship with alcohol. I I that is a person who I immediately understand and want to connect with, right?
1: Yeah, so that brings up another good point. This idea of uh, the community and so forth is that, yeah, you know, you don't have to explain. And uh, wh- whatever word you want to use, you know, we're all in this together. And I can sit, I do, there is that book, or I think it's a book, you know, We Are the Luckiest. When I'm in reframe meetings or an AA meeting, and I hear people being radically transparent about their lives, I can I say to myself, holy shit, am I lucky to be here. Because in what other situation in life do you hear people being radically honest? Yeah. Never. I mean, we are radically honest about ourselves. I have no shame in saying to someone like you, yeah, I was drunk when I defended my dissertation. No shame in it. I I am not embarrassed to say that to a person in the community uh, because that is what we do. We are radically honest with each other
0: yeah in a world where you know in in the the social media age where it's all about you know putting up the the best front possible. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think I find that strangely ironic that that's where <laughs> I, cause I despise social media. I say that all the time, but like Instagram is, has been the saving grace for, for <laughs> me because I've met people like you through Instagram and, you know, from all over the world. Uh, and it's just mind blowing to me that the thing that is the most vain <laughs> can be the most vain and toxic, uh, medium is also the one that has been redeemed and turned around for good by the sober community
1: it's so true and and i want to talk more about social media i want to talk more about instagram in particular but you asked me about you know owning my story part of owning my story was as as i said you know a few minutes ago was acknowledging the problem the severity of the problem um and and part of that was hey i'm an alcoholic so it doesn't mean I go around saying it to people. It doesn't mean in reframe meetings I say, hey, my name is Nick, I'm an alcoholic. But I had to acknowledge, you know, I can never go back to that. Yeah. Um, and so that moment came. It was during my, you know, I slipped and and then turned into what I call a relapse. Um I had to go to, it was this past summer, early summer, I had to go to Spain. I say I had to go to Spain. I I was flown to Spain, um, northern Spain, the Basque country, because I received an award, an award from an academic association. And uh, I'll never forget, it was almost by default, walking through the duty-free, bought two bottles of really nice scotch, get to my hotel room there, beautiful hotel room, pounded the first bottle of scotch. Didn't even leave my hotel room. And that opened up the next one. I woke up the next morning when I had to give a presentation and be around people and so forth. I I have never felt sicker. And I've been pretty darn sick, you know, in other parts of the world and stuff. I I thought I was dying. Yeah, I was dripping in sweat. I mean, dripping in sweat. I was shaking. Uh, I thought I was going to throw up. It felt like a knife was being shoved through my head. And I remember just thinking, there's what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. There's no way I can go. I can cancel this thing. They just flew me out here. There's people waiting to hear from me and see me and so forth. I just, yeah. So I got in the shower and, and, uh, I filled my briefcase up with paper towels from the hotel room and, uh, like mm-hmm. a hand towel because I was sweating so much. I get to the, the symposium area. And I told everyone, because people were like, hey, are you okay? You know, it looks like you just got out of the shower. You're sweating so much. I said, yeah, I'm, I I must be food poisoning, you know, or plane, airplane food, you know. Um, alcoholics are really good at three things. They're really good at drinking. They're really good at knowing when other people are, you know, drinking. And they're really good at lying about their drinking. Yeah. So here I was. Oh, my God. plain food poisoning from the airplane, I'm fine, you know. So I keep this at my desk. This is one of those paper towels that I was just wiping the sweat away during this event. That was my rock bottom. Mm. Uh, And I often say to people, um, you know, because you'll hear people say, well, I never had a rock bottom. Yes, you did. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a reframe meeting. So everyone has a rock bottom. Everyone's rock bottom is different. Those yeah. two statements are true, they're not contradictory. Yeah. Your rock bottom is whenever you decide to stop. Yeah. You know, I I I really I don't think anyone can disagree with that. Everyone has a bottom where they say enough is enough. Let's just be honest. Let's just again a dose of reality. Everyone has a moment where they say shit, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And yeah, so I keep this at my desk. And when those demons come, hey, it's Friday, you know, I had a great week. I can just have one drink, fall for it. No way, man. Yeah, I'll go right back to that. Uh, so my story is, hey, I was I highly functioning? Yes. Uh, did it ever get in the way of a relationship? Uh, no. Uh, did it ever get in the way of my professional career? No. Am I a terrible alcoholic? 100%. I had to, you know, fully come to grips with that. And, you know, the It took community. So like I've reframed friends. I I have a, you know, one particular friend from Reframe who could say almost the exact same things that I'm saying. You know, we both drank a bottle of hard liquor a day. You know, no one would have ever known. When we tell people, hey, I've stopped drinking, they always say, wow, I never knew you drank that much. Yeah. You know, so part of the owning your story too is knowing that, as I often say to people, I say, hey, you're not a snowflake. What do I, it doesn't mean softer. It means every snowflake is unique, right? There are no two snowflakes that are the exact same, right? You're not that unique. You're not that special. (laughs) Someone else has struggled with alcohol just like you. Yeah. So part of owning my story has been seeing, hey, my story is not that unique. I'm not that special. And part of that is there's great power in acknowledging that because you. part of the reason why I think we want to kind of hide and I don't want anyone to find out, you know, like now I tell my colleagues, hey, last year I stopped drinking. Part of the power of coming to grips with it and 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 staying sober is knowing that, hey, man, it's really not that big. So you drink a lot. You used to drink a lot. OK, so have most people throughout all of human history.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, there's nothing unique about that. You know, uh, that the highly addictive. Yeah. Highly addictive substance. Right. Of so, course. I mean, Yeah. yeah. I- Um, so yeah, part of owning your story is first off, yes. And we have to acknowledge that there are unique things about everyone's journey, right? On the other hand, part of recovering is knowing that there are people out there just like you. And so there's nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. You know, Hey, you showed up at work drunk one day. So did I. And I think, I mean, I'm a pretty darn good person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're a human being who became addicted to a substance that is addictive yeah, and is ever present. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, so I think a major part of owning your story is this dose of reality. Hey, your story's not that, you know, you're not, not different from anyone else. It's okay to say, yeah, I struggle with alcohol. And in fact, I've told colleagues you know, when they, when I stopped drinking, I now have two colleagues who also stopped. I never said anything. And again, this goes back to, I don't do the AA program, but there's beautiful wisdom in the program. Like, you know, they say, uh, you know, we don't promote what we do. We just want to attract, you know, by who we are. So walk the walk. So, you know, my call, when they saw that, Hey, yeah, I'm, no more hangovers and I'm saving tons of money. And yeah, they stop drinking too, you know, because even, and, and bet your bottom dollar, there's millions of people out there, even if they don't ever start a program like reframe or AA or smart or anything, they're questioning their drinking
0: millions, millions, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so what would you say to that? You know, uh, in closing, what would you say to that person who's listening, who is in that that spot that you just described? What would your what would your key takeaway message be?
1: Uh, go to meetings. Okay. Go to meetings and, and talk to people. Because meetings will work, right? Meetings will work. I mean, yeah. There's no way a meeting is going to harm you, or like lead to something bad in your life. It it will be a good thing. Look, we live in an era now of just information bullshit overload. Yeah. You know let's cut to the chase. Don't drink. You know, uh, I'm on day one every day. I'm on day
0: one. Yes, sir. There it my is goal
1: is. Uh, I'm going to bed tonight. So yeah.
0: Yeah. All in the same day. Right. That's the been something that I've tried to keep in the forefront of my mind that just cause I'm at day, I just hit 13 months, a couple of days ago. That doesn't mean anything. It's, it's all about what am I doing today? And Absolutely. am I going to, am I going to drink today or not? And, uh, I can say, uh, that I'm not, I'm not going to drink with you today. So there you, I got some accountability. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of I Kissed Alcohol. Goodbye. Um, until you. next time, uh, Al, Spruce, and Nick and I uh, bid right. you all adieu. And we send you our sober love by saying goodbye, alcohol, blah, and hello life. <laughs> Much love to y'all and peace.